Hey, my name is Donald Norman. I'm the Associate Director of Alongside Ministries International. Today, we're going to hear an interview with uh, Alongside's Executive Director, Dave Pearson. And the point of these conversations really is to let you into the life and work of full-time cross-cultural ministry. We have a lot of exciting stuff happening on the field, and in future conversations, we're going to hear from our alongsiders directly. But today, I just kind of wanted to start this series with introducing you to Dave, our, our executive director, and kind of getting a perspective from him about the state of alongside and his personal journey over his tenure as executive director and what God's doing in his life and what he's learning about uh, engaging Europe and mission uh, from uh, kind of a 10,000-foot perspective. And I think this conversation is really helpful and enlightening about uh, current issues facing Europe. We talk a lot about the refugee crisis and um, what Alongside is doing kind of across Europe to engage uh, with with really how that's changing the face of Europe, um, but also as as um, as a ministry, how we're engaging kind of all of Europe, um, not just immigrants and refugees, but uh, um, people who've been uh, a part of a long history of the church, um, but have for a variety of kind of personal and cultural reasons uh, walked away from what used to be vibrant cultures of faith. So yeah, I'm excited about um, this series of conversations we're going to have. If you've been around alongside for a while, you've probably been familiar with our Voices uh, publication, annual publication. We, have, we haven't produced one of those in a while and um, are trying to transition uh, to these instead um, to kind of bring you direct, uh, directly into conversations from the field and um, with people doing ministry. And so um, look for more of these uh, upcoming. And with that, um, let's get to our interview uh, conversation really with uh, Dave Pearson, alongside executive director. So I am in my sixth year serving alongside ministries, and my background is that before that I was a pastor of a small Presbyterian church in San Diego, California for six years, and before that I'd done various kinds of pastoral, youth pastor, conference ministry, and before, before that, as a kid, I spent lived and spent time in Brazil and Portugal and the United States. Because when I was uh, 11 and 12, my family and I lived in Portugal for a little less than two years. We got to travel through Europe and see Europe. That was actually a wonderful, fantastic experience. Um, and I think that Europe is one of the great overlooked opportunities for the global 
witness and mission of the church. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, you had an experience that uh, I think many who will be listening to this will at least be aware of, if not have participated in, and that was a seeker search cruise. Um, what, what year was that? Um, that goes back a ways to 1984, and I was just wrapping up college, and uh, Sam and Betsy Reeves and Joel and Kathy Crosby, John and Sarah Slaughter uh, gave leadership to a group of us. There were 40 or 50 of us, and we traveled across Europe and also visited Egypt and Kenya and Israel on uh, the secret leadership study cruise entitled In Search of Christ Excellence, uh, seeking to understand and discover ways that God is at work in the world um, and what it means to participate with God in uh, his plan to to bless the nations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that kind of transitions into, um, in the last six years as ED uh, alongside, Um, I'm sure there was a lot on the front end of the learning curve, um, but six years in, you know, what are you, what are you still learning about serving in mission, about God's mission to the world and, uh, and about Europe? I think at my best, um, I'm learning to live by faith. Um, and not that this is the first time years ago, I was making a different ministry transition. Uh, from a church ministry to a faith uh, mission. And an acquaintance of mine, I was at a Christian camp uh, where I'd done, I was there up there once a month, it seemed like, with uh, youth groups or adult groups from our church doing retreats and camps and loved that place. And one of the staff at Victory Bible Camp in Alaska leaned her head out of the uh, kitchen window in the dining hall and said to me, oh, you and Nanette are leaving the church staff. You are going to love living by faith. Hmm. And it it really was an impactful moment for me. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And she responded by saying, you know, when you're living by faith, you have the opportunity to see God move and provide for you in ways that... um, when you have the security of a more regular paycheck, perhaps, or or the things we kind of lean on for security, it can obscure our view of God himself. And so uh, I've felt like in my tenure as executive director that there is the challenges of uh, communication and administration and supporting those in the field and uh, walking with those who are called to serve and and going through the um, interviewing process and placement process. And I could go on and on and on, but in back of it all, um, we get to be on mission with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I honestly think my view of God himself is, is stretched and the good news is that God is able. Um, and so the one who promised to be with us, um, you know, at my best, I turn to him and experience Jesus, who is God with us. Yeah. Yeah. 
I would also say, you know, Europe is a rich mission field just as North America is. And sometimes we have failed to recognize that as Christians. Um, and we've thought of the mission field as somewhere else um, rather than seeing the tremendous spiritual hunger that it can be right in our own uh, societies and Western cultures, um, both in Europe and North America, uh, and therefore the need and opportunity and call to go and be witnesses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So using that definition of the field, uh, mm-hmm. but for sake of this conversation, focusing a little bit more specifically on the work in the field in Europe, what's what's going on in the European field that you'd want to call attention to? Lots. Um, so as I wrestle with scripture and particularly the Great Commission in Matthew 28, where Jesus says, uh, go make disciples of all the nations and promises, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. Um, I'm attracted to the idea that the church Jesus had in mind is a church that makes disciples who make disciples, and that there is uh, an inherently multiplicational dynamic to the the growth of the Jesus movement in history, um, Mm -hmm. if you want to cast the church in those terms. And it's exciting to me to see that happening in different ways, in really different settings. So it's not dependent on uh, a style, a denomination, or um, a narrowly defined theology. It's Jesus being faithful through his word, his Holy Spirit, his people to fulfill his promise. So I see that happening right now in Albania where there's uh, an Albanian planted and pastored church in the town of Belisht in southern Albania. And uh, perhaps, I know you, Donald, and perhaps others listening to this will know Arian and Moza Larashi well and have visited and served there alongside them. Uh, alongside Ministries has walked with the Larashis and others over the past 20 years of planting that church. And in the last year, especially, there has been uh, just this wonderful upsurge of outreach into villages surrounding Belisht. And so these are uh, the Larashis and other believers from the Belisht church spending time in those villages, uh, doing Bible studies, reaching out, doing children's events. And in a recent letter, Ariane wrote about, uh, I think it's three churches that this church is planting right now. And so um, I visited there my last time a little over a year ago in February of 2015. And I was in one of those village meetings And the sense of God's presence was so palpable and joyful. I could see faith and response in the expressions of both an old man and then a young teenage boy, 14-year-old boy, who that day became my Facebook friend, you know, as he bounded up to me after the meeting and asked me to sign a Bible. So that's happening. Um, 
in a very different culture and across Europe in France, some of the same inner dynamics are taking place, but externally they look quite differently. Um, Back in 2011, January of 11, I had just begun serving with Alongside and I was in France and Ian and Terry Rudder, our European directors, took me to a meeting with several leaders in the French Reformed Church. And they told us that day that they uh, had parishes that had dwindled down to a handful of people and that they wanted to, uh, they had a project to reignite evangelism in those parishes. And they wanted to put evangelistically gifted ministers alongside the parish to model and teach and catalyze the work of evangelism. Uh, They asked us for help that day by sending someone in such a role. Mm -hmm. And of course we said, we would love to do that uh, to them, but we didn't make promises because I, for one, thought, oh my goodness, you know, where will we find someone like this? And I remember uh, praying. I remember talking it over with Ian and Terry. I remember taking a yellow legal pad and making a list of all the attributes that uh, such a candidate would need to have and just kind of praying over that and giving that to the Lord. Well, lo and behold, uh, later that same year, someone got in touch with Ian Rudder and said, hey, I've got this friend who's called to serve in France, and I think he'd be great for your organization. And to make uh, a long story short, for the last three years, Matt and Katie Riley have been in France and they served in a town called Lunaville where they did discovery Bible study with people who were um, French people, well-educated, but post-Christian with no real knowledge of the Bible or Jesus or God. And they've shared stories of how at Christmas time they did Christmas events and people would come and say, you know, that's the first time we've heard the story of Jesus' birth. I didn't know that that's what Christmas is really, truly about. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the French Reformed Church has seen fruit from this. And so they asked Matt and Katie to move to a different assignment. And this summer they are getting, they're moving to Brittany across France and getting started in a similar but more regionally based assignment to both uh, plant churches and direct evangelism in that region. Yeah, it's exciting, exciting stuff, which kind of, um, I think, leads me to ask kind of about broader opportunities that uh, from your position and six years of experience of supporting work in the field as well as making trips to Europe. What are the, the, what are the big opportunities you see for the church uh, in the coming years? Hmm. Wow. Um, the European church, that is, I should clarify. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that brings us into the big picture of what's happening socially and 
politically and economically in Europe. And the, uh, and, and the place of the church in European culture, which honestly I, I'm still learning about and seeking to better understand. Um, you know, various crises or difficulties are making lots of headlines, right? Yeah. Um, especially with the, the refugee crisis, people fleeing sheer war and violence and desolation in Syria and other places. Um, and then the challenge for European culture and uh, the political system, you know, how do you respond? And so I think that one of the opportunities for the church is to bear witness to Jesus Christ in the midst of these enormously challenging problems, which are also opportunities. Um, proclaiming the, the biblical teaching that God made the human race in his image, in God's image, male and female. And therefore, every single human person has value. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I believe that our, our Western embrace of human rights, civil rights, individual rights and freedoms ultimately is rooted in Genesis. Um, now, perhaps secularists would disagree with me, but I just don't, the way I read and understand history, I don't see any other source. And so I think that one of the opportunities, important opportunities for the church in Europe right now is to hold that up and call uh, Western cultures back to the source and the root of human dignity which is that we are made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a really powerful place for the church to be as society, um, whether it's inside the established political structures or um, kind of on the street level, tries to devalue, fundamentally devalue people based on where they're coming from or where they've been. Um, I think that Without, without the church standing up, I'm not sure where people will hear a message of you have great worth and great value. Um, yeah, I, do, I don't know that there are other there are other institutions proclaiming that message at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, precisely. And on what what basis? And so, very simply, you know the question are is the refugee our neighbor or is the refugee as some would say uh, perhaps an enemy mm -hmm. uh, either way jesus utterly challenges us by saying love them right love your neighbor love your enemy um and i you know for the record I think that the vast majority of refugees are not our enemy. I think they are people fleeing mind-bending violence and utter desolation. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, so to go and to serve and to help and to welcome and to exercise the ministry of hospitality 
is critically important in this hour. Um, to the extent that there may be among them or us or anywhere uh, those who are bent on violence, then you know I think the that has to be addressed through the rule of law and security. And before we go after, uh, before we begin to find fault in others, um, the scriptures call us to examine our own hearts first. Mm -hmm. And Jesus certainly did. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I know that I don't really want to, I've got plenty of times in my life where I look back and I say, wow, I failed to recognize and remove the, the plank in my own eye before going after the speck in someone else's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how do you, um, are there specific ways or um, maybe broader themes of how you envision um, alongside kind of supporting the work of hospitality ministry to, to refugees uh, coming to European soil? Um, I think we can only begin where we are. It is frankly an overwhelming kind of uh, situation, right? Um, yeah. so I have, I, I, I'm impressed that believers in Albania have begun making trips to nearby Greece, to refugee camps there, and simply doing what they can to serve refugees. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't even know all the details yet. I want to find out more, but there are children in those camps, so uh, if you go and you make it a brighter day for children by playing games and loving and singing, um, that becomes a witness. If you go and serve food or give clothing, um, that becomes a witness. And I think, you know, I'm speaking as one who is rooted very much in the evangelical uh, tradition, and I, uh, I want, uh, you know, I believe Habakkuk 2.14 um, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And I love that promise. I think that promise is fulfilled through faith in Christ. But I think that as evangelicals, we need to recognize it's not only, only about evangelism. It is about being salt and light in, in the world. It's about serving people made in the image of God and extending unconditional love as God has done for us in Christ and that we we need to recognize and resist the temptation to make our love and acts of service conditioned upon an expected response. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really important. Um, and I think especially in a, an emotionally charged um, media-driven, uh, not that the refugee crisis is media-driven, but the coverage is um, often sensational. Um, mm -hmm. I think we know that to be true, um, just kind of inherent media bias towards sensationalism. Um, but also as it pulls to our heartstrings um, for people in a difficult place, um, that evangelism needs to be born out of 
value of God's creation, not out of our our expected response but based on that interaction. I think you probably said that better than I did, but I just think that's a, an important point um, as we think about um, not exploiting people's suffering for our kind of um, our own spiritual feelings, um, but to really meet people in their present place and value their dignity as, as created by God and really allow the Holy Spirit to work in a sense um, towards evangelism and, and uh, natural um, kind of opportunities for evangelism with integrity. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, I think we're doing that from what the reports we hear from the field, from alongsiders, I think that's happening. Uh, and yeah, just really uh, eager to hear more testimony of that as uh, this situation I think will be with us for some time um, sadly I don't know that there's a, a quick resolution um, yeah any other um, beyond Albania and Erseca um, church folk and uh, Belished uh, church members uh, in going to Greece any, any other um, kind of opportunities or um, acts of service towards refugees or even yeah this is a poorly worded question but anything else that we kind of want to pivot to in this topic uh, sure in, in uh, more broadly well i i think that um and, and this gets into some areas of controversy but i, I think among uh both okay so one of the compelling things about europe to me is that europe offers the body of Christ an opportunity to engage two significant mission fields, categories of people um, who really need to be reached with the good news of Jesus Christ and are, from what I can tell, underserved. And so I just uh, was in a, a lecture recently where the speaker was very knowledgeable and was presenting the global mission of the church. And if I understand correctly, was citing statistics that say that Muslims uh, are make up 1.6 billion people out of the world's population, so a huge chunk, and yet only 6% of Christian workers or missionaries are focused on reaching Muslims. Uh, secular atheists are eight or nine hundred million, so close to a billion of the world's people, and only four percent of Christian missionaries or workers are seeking to reach secular atheists. And uh, those are both very challenging uh, mission fields. The vast majority of Christian workers are deployed among people who already identify as Christians. You know, whether or not they believe, practice, you, know, you can get far more fine-grained than that. But Europe offers a tremendous opportunity among both secularized atheist people and uh, Muslims to see the Holy Spirit work in very powerful ways. Uh, and I think we need to pray for that and humbly, lovingly, faithfully labor toward that end. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. 
Uh, one person I met in France, one couple, a few years ago, captured my heart with their story and with their, their just their sheer love, their love for God, their love for uh, people around them, including people who were culturally and ethnically uh, different than themselves. So this uh, middle to upper middle class French couple had, uh, he was a lapsed Catholic and she was a lapsed Protestant, meaning they were essentially secularized and had no living faith, either one of them. And it was their second marriage for both of them, and they had good jobs. They were living in the south of France, and as you can imagine, life was good until for her a shattering event happened, which was that her dad died. And in her grief, she got involved in some kind of occultic practice of communicating with her dead father. And as you can imagine, that led to more or less complete demonic bondage, a very dark place for her. And she knew she was in, uh, she knew she was trapped and counseling didn't help, psychiatry, medicine, she tried everything. Finally, she began to seek out spiritual help and at some church, she was told, you know, we don't really do this here, but if you go across town, there's this little church where they will pray for you. And so she made her way to this other church, and it was um, kind of like a, a French equivalent of a full gospel church. <laughs> and they prayed for her, and she was completely set free by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the authority of Jesus. And she soon after was baptized, obviously confessed her faith in Jesus and became an ardent follower of Jesus. And then not long after that, her husband also was baptized. And I, that and other stories give me hope. You know, uh, Leslie Newbigin, the great British uh, missiologist, wrote that the Western cultures now are in need of a missionary encounter with the gospel mm -hmm. and a living encounter with Jesus Christ. Uh, that couple, I think, in my mind, represent that. And uh, you know, we, we can pray and work toward that end. Um, another friend of mine in Berlin um, is serving as a pastor there among Iranian refugees. Uh, he's not with alongside ministries, but he told me that they have an increasing number of refugees coming and seeking baptism. These are Muslim background refugees. And they show up and they say, hey, you know, we're interested in Jesus. We want to know what it's about. We want to get baptized. And he told me initially his response was weighted towards skepticism because he he felt, as many have said, you know, this is all about getting um, political asylum. It's uh, more likely that they'll get political asylum if they identify as Christians than as Muslims. But over the course of about four months of conversation and correspondence uh, with my friend, he came to a place where he said, you know, I'm, my views are changing. This is genuine. I'm teaching classes, and these refugees 
are hungry to know Jesus Christ. Mm. And so I, I think that the Holy Spirit is at work in some ways that are actually powerful and encouraging. And we, we have the opportunity to pray and obey further into that, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably a really good place to, to end. And um, yeah, we'll do this again. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing. And um, I think uh, our listeners and uh, folks who are supporting the work of Alongside, uh, I, I think they're going to be encouraged by um, this sharing of stories and uh, testimony. And, gives people a sense of um, what what alongside is and what your work is and so I just grateful for the, for the conversation. Well thank you Donald. It's a pleasure.